0: Kevin King re-signing with the Green Bay Packers, a one-year, $6 million deal. We literally missed the breaking news by, I would say, probably freaking 30 seconds, Rowdy. And we we get it right as we're signing off, and Billy Michaels is coming on. Kevin King back with the Packers. I, for one, was absolutely shocked that they brought back the cornerback because the last thing I remember of Kevin King was... Let's see, we'll go for, uh, right before halftime in the NFC Championship game, Tom Brady uncorks a uh, pretty deep ball, and was it Scotty Miller? Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller torches Kevin King and scores the touchdown going into uh, the locker room in half. And then in the second half, Kevin King with the egregious jersey pull, the holding call, and giving up another touchdown uh, to let the Buccaneers kind of seal it at the end there as they go on to punch their ticket to a Super Bowl, and obviously Tom Brady wins again in seven rings. But that is my lasting memory of Kevin King. And I thought to myself, and I said it on these airwaves, there's no way Kevin King comes back. He just played himself out of Green Bay. And here he is, a one-year, $6 million deal. Your thoughts, Rowdy, on the breaking news yesterday at about, ooh, 10 o'clock?
1: Yeah, I was was stunned, too. After seeing that game against Tampa Bay, which was definitely his worst career game as a professional. Mm. I thought it was going to be pretty hard to unsee what occurred in in his performance in that game. And I didn't think they would bring him back. I thought they would go out either through the draft and draft a, a high corner or sign a veteran for cheaper for a one year deal. Yeah. Now I guess Kevin King one year, $6 million depending on how that is broken down. I haven't seen any breakdowns on the contract. I
0: hope it's incentive based incentive based and uh
1: potentially more signing bonus than uh, base salary.
0: I uh when I saw when I saw the deal just like, I mean we were right here in the room and we we're both looking at each other like what the hell just happened here. Yeah, Kevin King, um 6 million dollars one year. We have uh, the comments already flying in on twitch.tv. Oh, search my name Ebo says at the follow button. Mr. Prime says, "Did we sign King so we can inevitably cut him going into the regular season?" Uh, Roger Insto says, "Could they have? Could they not have spent six million dollars better?" And then the King says, "Maybe Aaron Rodgers wants King back." Hmm. Aaron Rodgers wanting Kevin King back. I'm pretty sure that Rodgers really wants to get to another Super Bowl, and I would imagine win said Super Bowl. But you got to get there first. And if I were to put in public enemies and I look at public enemy number one of the NFC Championship game, I would have on the face of my poster of public enemy number one wanted for the you know the destruction of the Green Bay Packers and Rogers' hopes and dreams and our hopes and dreams of getting back to another Super Bowl. Kevin King would be my public enemy number one, and I feel like if I was Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't publicly say it, obviously. I would probably just be thinking it. I'd be like, Kevin King literally cost me a spot in the Super Bowl. I do not want him back on the team. What do you think, Rodgers? What do you think? Put put yourself in the mind of Aaron Rodgers, Rowdy. Do you think that he would look at Kevin King and be like, you know what, this guy? I, I forgive him. You know, I still have the grudge of being drafted. You know, after Alex Smith, I still look read at all the newspaper clippings of how people talk smack about me. I still, you know, um, have all these vendettas. But I'm gonna forgive Kevin King. The guy who just cost me a trip to the Super Bowl. What do you think Rodgers thinks? Well, I think Aaron Rodgers, looking at
1: this deal, being a (laughs) cerebral guy, probably wanted to upgrade at the position, no doubt, as as everyone wanted to. But if he really looks at it, he's probably going to say, well, what does that contract actually look like?
0: Yeah, and by the way, speaking of Rodgers, still nothing happening with the Aaron Rodgers contract. I'm very curious to see what they do. Uh, we'll talk but about that But at least there's today. talks now. There's talks. Yeah, yesterday we did have the rumors.
1: Remember, because going into all of this madness with restructuring, as the Packers had to restructure what feels like half their roster, Yep. everyone was being named as possible cuts or restructures, except for one person. And that happened to be the guy that would free up the most money. That happened to be the guy that just won MVP.
0: That happens to be Aaron Rodgers. So now they're finally talking about it. Yeah, they're talking about it. Uh, we'll talk about it today. More comments coming in on Twitch. Roger Insto says, again, Rodgers doesn't care about King. He's only here for one more year anyways. Uh-oh. And uh, new to the show, BookHound75, what's up, my man? Good morning. He says, King, what? Why? And proclaims, I'm a 57-year-old fat man with bad knees. I'll offer to do the job for half his wage, and the outcome will be exactly the same. I can't unsee the NFC Championship game, Rowdy. I can't unsee what Kevin King did, and or I should say maybe didn't do, when it comes to... Now, he's not the sole reason why the Packers lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and missed out on another trip to the Super Bowl. But, oh, my God, he is one of the man, men in the arena. And when you're the man in the arena, the light shines upon you, good or bad. You, uh, whatever you do is focused on, hyper-focused on. And, um, I don't know, hyper-focusing on Kevin King, he blew it as one of the men in the arena, Rowdy. Am, am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, if you go back and
1: watch that Tampa Bay-Green Bay NFC championship game, Tom Brady picked on two corners for the Green Bay Packers, and one of them happened to be
0: Kevin King. Oh, yeah, big time. He's like, Tom Brady did his homework. All- Tom Brady- Didn't Tom Brady send Giselle and his kids on like a – like That was a-
1: for the Super Bowl. Oh,
0: okay, that was for the Super Bowl. Well, still, I'm sure Tom Brady was in his house just grinding tape. But
1: Tom Brady basically was throwing at Chandon Sullivan and Kevin King the whole day. Yes. You didn't really see him target a whole lot of Jair Alexander. It was a lot of Kevin King – and Chandon Sullivan. And Kevin King got burned multiple times that were probably the bigger ones that you remember because they were the important ones.
0: So, okay, the career of Kevin King. Now, don't get me wrong. At times, he has been good. He is a, At times, he is a good cornerback. But you can only rest on your – well, you can't really rest on your laurels. You can only rest on so many good plays for so long until someone's like, dude, that was like – That was in 2019 when you had all those interceptions. We're coming in 2021 now, the 2021-2022 season. Um, 2019 is a lifetime ago in the NFL. So King drafted in the second round of the 2017 draft. Missed 17 games the first two years due to injury. Now 2019 was solid, five interceptions. And then what? Before missing five games last year. And again, I can't get the NFC Championship game out of my head. Rowdy, when you were doing the numbers of all the potential games that Kevin King could have played in, if you know, fully healthy. How much? How often was he available for those games? Yeah.
1: So that was going into last season. When you factor in this 2020 season, in a possible 64 regular season games, Kevin King has been able to play in 41. So that's less. <laughs> that's that's a yeah. He's played in about two thirds of the about, games possible. I choked on my coffee when you said that. Two
0: thirds of the games possible. Um, And being available, availability is one of the big keys in the NFL because last time I checked, you get paid a lot of money to do a job at a high level. And if you are not out there to do your job, what's the point of you getting that money? And then another big thing with Kevin King is the fact that
1: they, we talk about analytics all the time in sports now. And Kevin King has never been graded out as anything better than an average second corner
0: no um, and that's when healthy here you go i, I read this too yesterday when uh, our guy nathan was in here we were talking about our march madness brackets and rowdy was rowdy was really good at math i mean it's, it's not tough math but rowdy's rowdy is like the uh, beautiful mind here when it comes to math uh, i saw this kevin king coverage grade by season among cornerbacks with at least 200 snaps now 2017 when he was drafted so this is 200 snaps grades and now 200 by snaps isn't a ton of snaps it's roughly like playing half a year <laughs> exactly so 2017 kevin king was 123rd of 131 players in 2018 kevin king was 88th of 135 in 2019 his best year he was 69th nice of 138 and in 2020 he was 98th of 141 So, (laughs) so when healthy and playing
1: decent football, he's about a low level second corner. Yeah.
0: He, he, yeah. Low level second corner,
1: which personally I think is good enough, was good enough last year for the green Bay Packers to go to the super bowl. If he didn't have those catastrophic mishaps on a couple plays.
0: And that's the thing. Okay, you can be an average, maybe slightly below average and get by, but if you are an average to slightly below average and you are in an NFC championship game, you are one game away from the Super Bowl, and your ineptitude rears its ugly head, your average to below average play gets exposed on one of the biggest stages and I would think, Rowdy, most of the players, if you're in a, you know, the Super Bowl or a game before a Super Bowl, I think most of your roster is pretty solid, right? And if you're Tom Brady, you key on on the weak. Links. They're either
1: pretty solid or they're at least hot. They're playing really, really well.
0: Yeah, and
1: you would say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was playing really, really, really well. Tom Brady was being Tom Brady, and when you looked at the Packers, the offense and Aaron Rodgers were playing really, really well, but we mentioned some of those guys in the secondary didn't bring their a game. And I think uh, it was pretty easy to see. You didn't need the analytics to tell you that (laughs) Kevin King had his worst game that season in that NFC championship. Yeah. And the grades, the analytics and grades spell that out as well.
0: $6 million for what an average to slightly below average cornerback seems a little exorbitant, but Hey, that's Brian Goudekunst. That's Russ ball. Well, they're gonna go get a cornerback in the draft pretty early. I think it's evident to you know get back there because they're not gonna just rely on Kevin King.
1: Kevin King, when healthy, is a is a starting grade corner. But a how low often starting is grade corner. How often is he healthy? But he's only been healthy for about two thirds of the games. You would imagine that they probably have to go corner now. Yes, that they sign the the quote unquote veteran for a one year deal in the draft. My God, but you just you have to hope that it's incentive based. At six million dollars a year, because I feel like you could have gotten a more experienced guy out on the market that's been able to stay healthier than Kevin King. Yes, for probably just as much or cheaper. So you got to figure it's got to be incentive based, and you got to hope that uh, more of that money is focused on signing bonus rather than base salary, so it doesn't go as much against your uh, salary cap.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm reading here on the on Twitch. Let's see. Our guy B.J. Ashleman says I want to see what the contract looks like, but six million is too steep. Kyle Fuller is way better and got ten million. Would rather pony up four more million for a stud opposite Jair. Hey, what would you think about that? And what, the Broncos just threw down on Kyle Fuller? He's going. Yeah, to the Broncos. Kyle Fuller got
1: what nine and a half. You had Patrick Peterson, who older. I would rather pay Kyle. Fuller than Patrick Peterson, but yeah, he got ten and, closer to ten and a half. and yep. a Adoree Jackson, who's a solid corner, used to play with the Titans. He got 13.
0: And here we are with Kevin King, $6 million, which I think we all can agree is a little too much, but we got to see the contract. It could be a lot of incentive-based, yada, yada, yada. And you'd imagine, like Rowdy just said, that they're going to go cornerback in the draft now, so... You, yeah you'd have to imagine if you look at the Kevin
1: King six million dollars I would have to think that if it's incentive based to.
0: roughly half of it has to be incentives God I mean his his final game Kevin King and not to keep beating this dead horse but it's it's the lasting memory right of Kevin King he definitely took a blow to his wallet of I still am shocked that the Packers gave him $6 million. Yeah, I think if that game doesn't happen against
1: Tampa Bay and he he has at least an average game, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers actually brought him back on a legit contract.
0: Yeah, yeah. he His, his wallet took a blow with that game, but Packers are still like, all right. And the Packers have shown that they're keeping everybody together. And I, w- I would say when you're looking at Kyle
1: Fuller getting 9.5, Patrick Peterson getting roughly 10.5, and Adoree Jackson getting 13, as some of the bigger name corners out on the market. If Kevin King plays well in that NFC championship game and doesn't have <laughs> that moment <laughs> or moments that burn in your brain about how bad he looked in that game, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a two, three, four-year deal from the Packers or somebody else for decent money, not 9, 10, 11. But right. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like, seven maybe eight wow yeah yeah i mean I, i'm right there with you because because you just said he he graded out as a low level number two corner which means he's starting He he's, he's starter he's a starter he's starter ability and that's hard to find especially at six three and long and lanky a little backdoor
0: man a little jim morrison in the doors And I get the welcome in Badgers associate head coach Mark Strobel and Badgers royalty Barry Richter. You know it's a damn good day. Fellas, what's up? Good morning. Good morning.
2: Happy Wednesday morning boys how
0: you doing i love it when my favorite thing to do is when i welcome you guys in as i don't like reference who's who i just say good morning and see who's the first one to say something (laughs) we're doing good man we're doing great i'm very stoked for friday obviously as the badgers gonna get underway against bemidji state but before we dive in uh, Barry, let's start with you. Barry, usually you will conference in Strobes, but Strobes is also right now. Barry, what is, what is it that you're doing this week leading up to Friday's action? Uh, what is it at, noon? Is it nooner? Or is noon. it Nooner? Nooner here. Nooner here. Barry, what are you doing leading up to Friday's action? Just trying to get
3: some work done, man. you got to get some work done <laughs> so I can go and watch that game at noon. I'm really excited to watch uh, the team play. I don't know much about Bemidji State, but uh, – as everyone knows, they're out of Bridgeport, and it uh, sounds like the team had to go out there a couple of days early, several days a lot a lot earlier than they usually do for the NCAAs, so it's, a, it's an interesting uh, setup, so to speak, but uh, nevertheless, the Badgers got the one seed uh, in that region, which is great, and uh, just looking forward to it, looking forward to getting some hockey, because uh, my... My bracket is definitely
0: busted. <laughs> oh god, mine's, mine's busted up. So So Barry, do you do you have to like ask someone to leave work uh, early on Friday, or can you just be like, yo, hey, uh, 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 I'm I'm leaving. See you guys okay. later. Like, what what's the proper protocols for you, Barry? We'll probably
3: put the uh, TVs on during the day and uh, <laughs> you know bring the laptop out and just uh, and watch the game in the middle of the day. Don't That's you got uh, Don't you got product.
0: Bill Nagy working with you?
3: Yep, Bill Nagy. Tell Bill, tell guy. Bill, to, tell manager. Bill to
0: cover your to cover your work duties, okay? Just Let Bill I'll do it. Definitely have
3: it. He's a, r- he's a rookie. We'll let him do
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we welcome in Strobel as well. Strobes, you're are you're out? Are you in Bridgeport right now?
2: We are. We are. We actually flew in yesterday, uh, got, dropped our stuff off at the uh, the rink, and uh, immediately went back to the rink to test. Uh, for COVID. So again, they got a different process here than they do in Madison, but uh, everyone kind of following the protocol. And, and then we had a little uh, dinner, uh, kind of a grab and go type thing. uh, And then everyone hit their rooms or whatever they, they want to do, go for a walk, but we got out here early. So um, the NCAA, I believe could test us. And this regional can be a bit quarantined. I don't believe they're having uh, spectators and fans at this regional, but Mm. parents are, are allowed to come. And uh, don't quote me on this, but I think they do have to show uh, some type of maybe a test that they've had done. I'm not for sure on that. Gotcha. But it's, yeah. There's just a lot of speculation. So, so in the end, yeah. in the end it's about these kids focusing on a hockey game and, and that's what we got to do, fans and no fans. We've done it all year, and and I think we'll be ready for sure.
0: Strobes, what's it been like? You know, leading up to before you guys flew out, were you guys having practices? Like, what, were you were you just kind of like laying low? Like, what was the vibe like of the team? What were you guys doing?
2: No, really good, really upbeat. Uh, you know, first time seven years we're back in the dance and and have a chance to win a national championship like our. Uh, our ladies' team, you know, and again, hats off to our women's team, man. Again, they've just done a great job, so we want to follow suit there. But we've had some good practices at Le bon. Uh It's been very upbeat. We've tested at home. Uh, everyone uh, seems to be good there, and so for us, it's just it's dialing in. We've watched video on uh, Bemidji. We've gotten I've gotten a Michigan Tech uh, as well as a Bemidji video, or excuse me, a, um, a Lake Superior State video about them, and they remind me a lot of Penn State. Uh they can trap you a little bit in the neutral zone. They're gonna try to clog things up. But I think again our speed, our tenacity and playing badger hockey when we've been successful this way, has to be the uh, ingredient for us to have success.
0: So, Strobes, have you ever uh, been to Webster Bank Arena before in Bridgeport? I'm looking at the pictures right now at uh, the Badger Men Hockey on uh, Twitter here. It looks pretty palatial. I see you guys throwing the football around, having a good time. Have you ever been out there before?
2: I I have not been to this rink. I I did years back in 95-97, played in the American League out here on the East Coast out of Albany. So I've been around this area uh, years ago, but never to Bridgeport. And the rink, uh, Sacred Heart University, is the host team, uh, looks like a nice rink. It's an NHL size, 200 by 85, that the uh, uh, American League team for the New York Islanders play in. And, and uh, you know, ice is ice, man. They got to play on it. We got to play on it. Hell and yeah. I, I think our guys are ready to go to war and, and prove that Badgers are back to national prominence and in college hockey. I like that, baby. Ice is ice. You got to go get them.
0: Uh, Barry. When it comes to you know turning your attention to tournament time, what's it like you know in your playing days? You guys obviously with the the incredible run, you know hoisting it. What's it like as you turn your attention to the the do or die, win or go home mentality?
3: Well, as as everyone knows, it's a little different this year with uh COVID protocol and scheduling and everything. And and so when we played, and, and usually when you play, you're you're going from weekend to weekend. And you're playing games and you have a little bit and, and not until you get to the frozen four do you have maybe a two week layoff. So I'm I'm curious to to ask Strobes, you know, how they have prepared the last two weeks because hockey is a game of uh, it's something you just can't just go away for three or four days and rest and then pick up the skates and start skating again. It's it's a momentum game. It's uh it's a it's how you feel putting the skates on and snapping the puck around. And, and also, you have to, it's different when you're competing against your your own team in practice compared to, you know, getting hit in a live, real game. So, you know, very vastly different. Um, the team's going to have to adapt. So I'm really curious to hear what Coach Strobel has to say on that.
0: Look at, I mean, Strobel, real quick, Barry is a Basketball. freaking pro. Basketball. Barry is a pro at this, <laughs> dude. Barry, we have another mic in here if you just want to come in and, like, take the reins, brother. We have another mic in <laughs> here for you. But, Strobel, the stage is yours. Barry, with the hit hard-hitting question.
2: Well, no, it's a great question. When, when we got back from that uh, playoff uh, weekend there uh, in the Big Ten and, and had the Minnesota loss, uh, we got right back to work. Uh, I think uh, Tony, myself, Oz, we were very focused on uh, what we lacked in that game, especially in the second period and what we needed to correct, uh, certainly as coaches, and then to uh, make sure instruction was pretty much uh, dead on. And I think we, we got right back to, you know, men are men. We did a lot of battle drills. We did a lot of D-zone coverage stuff that we talked about to make sure assignments, uh, you know, were correct, and we weren't getting crossed up on trying to play man-on-man when we're actually a zone-type defense uh, in, in our own end. And, um, you know, for us, it was just competing again and winning one-on-one pucks, uh, doing stuff off the walls, being good on over-unders on the boards, and um, just just a lot of the little team stuff, too, in our neutral zone, our four-checking, our, um, our regrouping quickly and attacking, and then uh, worked on the four-check. So pretty much everything. We got some special teams in um, a couple days ago as well, so we worked on our uh, power play and penalty kill, and uh, we touched on everything. And then the goaltenders got a ton of shots. We also did some four-D splits. So, you know, again, it was very, very focused. It was very detailed, and um, we, we worked hard. And like I said, um, it's, it's what we're going to do that's going to determine our future here in the next uh, four games. But for us, uh, we got to win the first period and have a good first shift. Against Bemidji and set the tone. Was
0: well, that how you break it down, Strobes? I mean, I mean, you said period by period, right? Or is it shift by shift? Is that how you break it down with the guys? It's like go out there, just focus on your your role, your job, what you do. Just shift by shift. And don't get caught up in the bigger picture.
2: You do. I think for me as a coach too, when I'm when I'm talking with the forwards, you know, I just tell them right away, go get your legs underneath you. You know, go go feel the puck. Uh, you know, go go get into a body. You know, get that first shift under your belt. Uh, touch the biscuit a little bit if you can. Otherwise, get into somebody, get into a good position, get a good stick in a lane, and then once that's under your belt, I try to coach them through a little bit of okay, that one's over, that everyone's blood is flowing now we're in it, and then and then start taking over with our systems and our our um, you know support of the puck, and then just making plays and letting the game flow, and then clear in mind to just sit and go hey, this will be uh, repetitive what we do in practice, how we play, and what's given us success all year. So I I do try to explain the one shift under your under your belt. Get those legs going. Get your feet going. Uh, get your body into it. Man. And uh, again, as Barry knows too, as a player, it can start with your warm up. You know, like you got to have a good warm up. You know, your your mind's got to be clear in the moment. And then again, it's 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 you and your teammates supporting Man. each other to have that team success.
4: You, you know, well, I was looking at, I was I watched the reveal show, and as uh, the region for you guys as the number one seed came out, and you see. Uh, Bemidji there and last played him in 06 and went on to the national championship. He had UMass as the number two. And then that Lake Superior State came up, and all I could think about was 92. And, you know, I wasn't old enough to really comprehend a lot of things at that time, but <laughs> all I know is nobody I know who's a Wisconsin Badger hockey fan has any good things to say about oh, 1992 or Lake Superior, State. <laughs> <It's scary>. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> Without me knowing, hate just brewed for me. So, like, uh, you guys, having partaken in that, uh, what was it like seeing RJ, Lake me. Superior State in that region <laughs> and a possibility of a matchup?
2: Well, so, I'll take that first. Go ahead, Barry. Barry, yeah.
0: Barry sounds yeah. like you're ready to go. Barry's ready to throw the gloves off. Yeah, RJ. It just
3: it's, it's, This is a moment in time of uh, Badger hockey where, you know, the junior on the team, Slobs is a freshman and... yes. You know, it just, it was just an unfortunate incident where we felt, uh, and we weren't like the best team in college hockey that year, but we just had something going. We had momentum, and that's what you're going to see in the next couple of weeks, uh, for college hockey. Who's got the momentum and who's got the good feel under their, uh, you know, the good feeling? So, and we had that, and we had a great goalie in Dwayne Dirksen, and, you know, all of a sudden we made, you know, won the, won the semis against Michigan, and everyone loved Michigan, and nothing better than beating Michigan when we beat them the semifinals ahead to the finals and and playing lake state and we uh, we just felt really good going into it and uh we were up to nothing and from what i recall mm. the uh for some reason we had the fourth best ref from the ecac doing the championship game mm. and things just got out of control and uh in terms of calling the game and it was just over his head a little bit and you know uh and frankly we just we lost our cool at the end of the game too and we shouldn't be doing that but there's uh Basically, we had a national championship ripped from us a little bit. I'll just I'll stay I'm it, getting pissed off just thinking about it. it. It cuts to the bone for me because uh, we we should have won that game, and you uh, know our captain had a 10 minute misconduct for uh, <laughs> just questioning a call, not even swearing at him. What? Uh, it was yeah. It was just it was just out of control, and so for me it, it, it hits the heart. Um, a little bit because we should have had a national championship that uh I'm that getting year, pissed off right
0: now, Barry. I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. I'm my just telling you, yeah, like <laughs> I'm said, telling you reality. Like I said,
4: I've only yeah. heard stories from like my parents and other fans who are old enough to actually remember that game. And, yeah, it's just that's the first words out of people people's mouths. The Badgers got hosed during that game, and it was determined that they were not going to win at National Championship. Well,
0: the words I want to say, well, the FCC won't let me be, so <laughs> there's that. For, and Strobes, I mean, you, you want to ch- chime in a little bit about that? You are a freshman on that team, yeah?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: I still will <laughs> never, I, I will never watch the game again. I, I've never watched it since that game, and I refuse to, and uh, you know, the penalties were so lopsided, and, and we had a 3-1 lead. We were playing a great game, and um, guys were just flowing. Like Barry said, we, we, the chemistry hit at the right time. We had a really good run there at the end and, and we all believed, you know, we were going to win the national title and to kind of have it stripped away by officiating. And, um, it, it just, it uh, was very unfortunate. Uh, you know, you obviously got to move on, but it, it still stings because again, we, we knew it was right there. And ironically to, to tie all this together, Jeff Jackson was the head coach there at Lake Superior state. And Brian Ralston was a freshman, had a hat trick in that game, and, and I think he had a few power play goals, to say the least. He uh, One was a five-on-three a backdoor bomber, and he had a nice NHL career, but to tie that in, Jeff now is the head coach, or has been at Notre Dame, and uh, uh, Ryder Ralston is uh, uh, Brian's son, who's playing at Notre Dame, so all this stuff may tie itself together. Maybe we maybe we see Notre Dame again in this tournament, and we can have a little bit of payback to Jeff and, and uh, yes. the whole deal, but I, again, all this stuff it's it's uh, it's March Madness of hockey. You yeah. know, things happen. Yes. People hit pipes. Goaltenders make saves with their toes and their ears. You know, <laughs> uh, you're you're you're, you're going to you're if gonna have the
0: ears to. out
2: there, Strobes. Yep. Scotty Sandlin, when I worked with him back in Duluth, and and Dean Blaze always taught him. He said, when you win championships, you got to get a little bit of luck too. You got to get a little bit of bounce. You got to stay healthy. Uh, you know, good things got to kind of happen for you. And you know, I really believe we're in that. Uh, in that mojo right now yes. with our team and and uh you know having wisconsin back in the ncaa tournament, i think is great for college hockey it's great for for madison the state of wisconsin and all our fans that you know have patiently patiently been waiting for us to be relevant again and and yeah. um you know we definitely have the team we got the goaltenders and I, th- I think it's our time. I love
0: it. You got the Mojo rising, and you are Mr. Mojo rising, Strobes. I freaking love it. And Barry and Strobes, sorry to bring up painful memories, but we were talking about it earlier this week, and we were getting pissed off. I'm like, we gotta we gotta ask the boys, but let's advance the story now to the here and now. Uh, Bemidji stayed on the uh, the docket on Friday at noon here. Strobes, I know you said you've been watching some tape, and we're, we got some guys on Twitch here all fired up, saying it's gonna be a great game that, uh, excuse me, Bemidji, I'm stumbling. Bemidji is fast and can move the puck, but not like the Badgers, Ken. What do we see on tape for Bemidji State?
2: Uh, they, you know, they funnel everything at the net, too, a lot like Penn State. So, again, they are going to forecheck hard. They, they'll come with two guys at times on the puck. Um, they, they'll pinch their D at times, and then they'll back off. But I think what they're, they're very structured. They're very well coached. And, uh, you know, they have a reputation, too, of just always hanging around and, um, you know, bottling stuff up at the net front and um, just competing you know and so for us it's we got to be physical we got to put pressure on their d and uh, i think again when you can expose somebody's weak spot which is them getting out not getting out of their own end and us pressuring the puck on our forecheck we're going to have success but it'll it'll come down to again just the want and winning the one-on-one battles and then executing you know at key times when you need to and i and i think again too you know, study the face-off circle. They got some guys that can win some face-offs, and we got to be better at possessing the puck immediately off draws, so we can then sustain pressure uh, in all zones.
0: All right, all right, boys. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a little bit here. this the music. Barry kind of called for it. We're going Eye of the Tiger. A little Survivor for you guys. So Strobes, when you were talking earlier, I wrote these down. I want to make a T-shirt out of it. Men are men, and ice is ice. Yeah, I like it. that. I love I it, dude. In fact, I wrote it down. <laughs> men are men, and ice is ice. I love it. Barry, what do we, uh, what do we see happening on Friday, brother? What are you going to be doing, and how can I join you to come watch? You want to come into the studio with me? What, do, what are you thinking, guy? What do, what do we think is going to happen Friday?
3: Oh, I love it. Badger's going to take it for sure. You know, it's going to be a great game to watch, and it's going to be fun, and uh, just looking forward to supporting the team, uh, as the fam, and uh, I'm just happy. And a uh, heck to get back to NCAA's, and so it's just—it's going to be fun. It's going to be a yeah, lot yeah. of fun. So we'll definitely be watching.
0: And Strobes, um, you know, I'm going to let I'm going to let your guys do the the talking when they hit the ice. But what's Mark Strobel going to be doing? Uh, you know, leading up to the game, is he uh, is he prowling like a tiger around an uncaged tiger? What's the uh, what's the pregame ritual leading up for Strobes?
2: No, believe it or not, you know, I'm 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 the positive energy man. I'm just going to. Individually, continue to grab guys and let them know. You know, hey, this is going to be a great game. You're going to play awesome. You know, clear your head, uh, do what you do best in your role, and um, just just kind of be that positive voice and let them know that. Go out and have fun. In the end, I've always known as a player when I when my mind was clear and I could just go out and enjoy the game itself and muscle, mind, memory. I, I played my best. You know, when I wasn't feeling the thought of pressure or having to have to win you know, it, it, uh, sometimes you squeeze a little more. So I think I'm just going to keep our guys calm and loose, and then when it's go time, they'll, they'll be ready to go.
0: I love it. I Thank you so much, Drozd, for joining us all the way from Bridgeport. Barry, thanks for jumping in as well and uh, having the survivor. I have the tiger on the, my frontal lobe. Ice is ice, and men is men, boys. Let's get her going. Thanks for joining Let's us. We go. always appreciate your time.
2: Let's go. thanks for hey. having me, man. Hey. on Wisconsin. Take care, boys, and good luck, Jerome
0: Hell yeah! All right,
3: Bear.
2: Thanks, brother.
0: <laughs> I love it. God, I love those guys. Freaking cool, dude. Got the eye of the tiger rocking. It's just all good. Our guy Andrew Wagner, uh, just there crushing at a high level of State Journal Forbes.com. Drew, what's happening, my brother? It's cold in Arizona. I brought the bad weather down here with me. Now, explain this to me. I mean, you sent me a picture yesterday. You're like, look at this BS. And it looked like it was like gray and ominous looking. It looked like it could have rained. What What is going on with the temperatures and the weather out there, my brother?
3: I don't know. I got here, and, like, the temperature drops, and I, just, I was just watching the weather report now, and uh, they're showing, like, the extended forecast, and it's like, you know, in the 60s and cloudy and windy and gloomy until Monday when I get back on a plane to go back to Wisconsin, creeps back up into the 80s and 90s, I'm like... Yeah, okay. All right. Now sure. what, and the caddy. What have you cabbie. done?
0: What have you done to anger the karma gods, my friend?
3: I don't know. I've been asking that question, Evo, for the better part of like twenty some years, so
0: <laughs> Maybe it's all that, you know, swearing you're doing while you're trying to build your own uh, canoe in your garage. You ever think about that?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Very well could be.
0: All right, so uh, Andrew, by the way, I'm glad you're down in spring training. You know, a little crappy weather, whatever dude. But you got America's pastime unfolding in front of your eyes. Something I don't think you were really able to do last year were you?
3: No, I mean I, we were at games at Miller Park. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't the same. I tell you what was cool was like it, it, and you've been to games, you know what it's like. You walk in, there's a certain smell mm-hmm. at a baseball game. And it's it's not, you know, jokes about vomit and stale beer, but like just you know, all the concession stands were going and 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 you know the music was playing. Uh they were playing this this, this really cool Tex Mex song by the Texas tornadoes. This is a deep cut here. But like you hear the music blaring through the stadium and you hear like the din of the crowd just like talking and just there there was this leatherneck guy that was just screaming at every at-bat like he was Ferris Bueller at the Cubs game. <laughs> it was just cool to have that atmosphere again because, yeah, they had noise last year. The game was still the game, but it was so sterile. It was so just numb yeah. and so surreal last year. So just being there and, like, hearing reactions, general reactions to the crack of the bat and, mm. and, and, and to good plays. And, you know, it, it was just cool to have that aspect of the game
0: back i'm jealous dude like yeah, there is something to say about the smell of like a baseball stadium right it's like it's like the the hot dog You've, the hot dog water is wafting in the air and i yep. do like the smell of the stale beer combined with it and you got the peanut shells you're walking on and it's just oh that when you hear the the i don't know what's better what's better to you the ball hitting the catcher's mitt or the crack of the bat which is a better sound
3: I don't know because it, 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 if it's a well thrown fastball and you can hear that pop and, and you know you really can't hear that too much during games but like especially when you're on the backfields early on and you can just hear that popping going out when mm. you have like eight pitchers throwing at the same time, it's just, oh, it, it, it's a symphony, man. It's a symphony.
0: Oh, a symphony, yes.
1: I've never heard a, a catcher's mitt pop in my life before until I heard Steven Strasburg when he was super young with the Nationals when he was still throwing uh, low hundreds. Mm.
3: Yeah, it, 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 it's... If you've never heard it, you you don't understand. And then when you hear it, you know exactly what it is. It's it's, just—it's—it's
0: amazing. Some of those sounds, you know, that's just like the the ballpark experience, like in person experience, nothing can duplicate replicate it. Uh, But hear about how about this though, Andrew. As there was a lot of pop in that bat yesterday, four home runs by the crew. Let's talk Kest Daddy here. Keston Hira two home runs yesterday. Uh, what is he batting? Three eighty nine uh, over his last seven games. What was it looking? Uh, how was Keston Hira looking yesterday?
3: Yeah, he was looking. He was looking like the goat yesterday. I mean, again, you don't want to put too much stock in spring numbers, obviously. But look at what the Brewers have done to Walker Buehler. Look what they've done to to Clayton Kershaw this spring. And again, both those guys are obviously just out there trying to build up their arm strength and, 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 and get their sea legs, but those are two of the best pitchers in the game, mm-hmm. know, hands down. And to go out there and rake against them, obviously the numbers don't matter once the season starts. What does matter is the fact that you know Kestin and Omar and, and Yelly can sit there and say, you know what, I raked on these guys uh, in spring training. My swing was working. I'm in a good spot, so... From a mental standpoint, you know those guys, their headspace is where you want them to be right now at this point in spring.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously last year uh, headspace was tough for everybody, you know, in every walk of life. But when you look at offensively for the Brewers, their headspace was really bad. And I know we, you know, don't put a lot of stock into spring training, obviously. But when you see them, you know, you you alluded to it, Walker Bueller, You know, you had Clayton Kershaw, they hit up. They you know dinged around Trevor Bauer as well. When you see them doing this, I mean, hope does spring eternal, right? This is something that we can hopefully hold our hat on because these are guys, I know they're still trying to find their arms, but it's still, these are aces. These are guys that you're Absolutely. going to see. Absolutely, Yeah. And this is, a, this is awesome. You
3: know, you know, Craig likes to talk about, um, you know, the, the for, for pitchers, the hitter gives you feedback and for hitters, you know, pitchers give you feedback and, you know, you're getting feedback. Your, whatever adjustments these guys have made, you, obviously they're working. Will it work over the course of 162? Who the hell knows? But right now, you know, where you want to be, you when, when, you know, the bell rings on April 1st. I mean, when things are clicking inside your head, that's the foundation of everything. Um, and, and you're seeing that right now. Yeah. And, and considering how bad it was last year. And listen, you know, this goes back to the fans. I don't want to harp on this point. Cause I kind of, listen, I've rolled my eyes at, at talk about how important it's having fans, in the stands over the years. Like, anybody else but you know you're starting to wonder if maybe just maybe that really did have something to do with it because it's hard to get into that zone when there's nothing going on totally and and you're seeing this reaction now and you're seeing this atmosphere now and you're seeing guys who you know are good baseball players who had horrible years years last year looking more and more like they have in the past and the only difference obviously is There was no one around last year. So you have to think that played a role into some of those struggles.
0: Most definitely. Andrew Wagner joining us right now. Check out his work at the Wisconsin State Journal, Forbes.com as well, and uh, on his Twitter account, a must-follow at Wagner. Let's now transition now, Drew, to the pitchers. Oh, my God, this is the filthiness from Devin Williams. I saw... I mean, I'm always looking at your Twitter account because it's a must-follow. I saw you retweeted the Major League Baseball account of Devin Williams and that circle change. Dude, how nasty is that?
3: Though? Oh, God. That is that is just gross. That is just absolutely filth. You know, it's like it, it's watching him pitch is just porn. It, it's baseball porn.
0: <laughs> yes. Top yeah, I, used to, Top I used to be in
3: I, I used to say in spring training, like, even just once, if I could go find a, a pair of adult pens, I'd want to stand in the box <laughs> and let Hader throw his, like, best fastball at me. I would like to stand in the box and just see Williams throw that change at me and just see what it looks like. You know, it, it's just, you know it's coming, and you can't hit it. And, and that's when you know a pitch is good. Yeah. And, and to be able to, to duplicate that when, when guys – now have a book on him when they now they they've had three months to look at video, and they're still not hitting it. I mean, this kid, this kid is special. He is a special pitcher.
5: Well, if
1: uh, if you sat in the box for Josh Hader's best fastball, you'd probably wet your pants, <laughs> and if you sat in the box for uh, Devin Williams' best change, you'd probably uh, hurt a knee. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was I kept thinking, like you know going from one to the other, and all I could think of, and I use this GIF all the time is is crusty after the the Russian version of itchy and scratch what the hell is that
0: <laughs> you know I love my Simpsons references man the hell is that <laughs> all right so uh Andrew let's let's transition from Devin Williams and you brought up Josh Hader. Uh, Craig Council talking yesterday that they're going to the traditional you know ninth inning closer for a hater is this what's I mean obviously you know the manager knows best Craig Council knows best is this what's best for the Brewers and the back end of that you know that bullpen of hater being that traditional ninth inning closer?
3: I think it says more about the rest of the bullpen time than it does Josh Hader, to be quite honest with you. You know, when, listen, he, and this is the story that I wrote about today in the State Journal at Madison.com. It, it's the evolution of Josh Hader. You know, you, he's pitched in different roles. This will be his fifth season. You know, he came in as a rookie, and they just kind of use him like they do with a lot of their rookies. They put him in there in relief just to kind of. You know, get his feet wet and get him adjusted, and then the plan was originally to move him into a starting role. He did so well on that that he became that multi-inning fireman, which you could do because you also had Corey Knebel and you also had uh, uh, J.J. in there in the back, and then he moved into that kind of two-inning closer role Uh, covering multiple innings at the end of games when Kniebel went down, and then last year he filled more into that ninth inning role just because of the nature of the season. But you look at all the different guys they have ahead of him, Devin Williams, Justin Topa, who has been struggling right now, Brent Suter doing the multiple innings thing, Freddie Peralta doing the multiple innings thing, Drew Rasmussen's going to do the multiple innings thing. It says a lot about the guys they have in that bullpen, where you don't need Josh Hader to be that guy mm-hmm. that gives you three innings of of no hit shutout ball uh, to keep games going. So yeah, he likes it. He he likes being in that ninth inning role. It's a lot easier on his body than having to you know get up and down and then rest for three days. Yeah, uh, and it works out well for them. You know, the question that we would we'd always bring up when he was younger was, you know, would he start or would he be a reliever? And it was always, would you rather have Josh Hader? Um, 30 times for 5 innings or 60 times for 2 innings. And now you're looking at if you're using him in that traditional role, you can start to use him with that normal workload. We don't have the rules of hater anymore where, okay, he's going to pitch today, he's not going to be available for at least 2-3 days. Now you're going to start to see him be able to go more back-to-back-to-backs and that's, that's just good because that means you're winning more games.
1: Yeah, the Brewers have had a lot of success taking guys that uh, started out as starting pitchers and then turn bullpen arms. I mean, just look at some of the guys you've already named. We've talked about Devin Williams, Josh Hader, and even Jeremy Jeffers before that. But would you prefer Hader being just a strictly ninth inning guy, or do you still think his best uh, asset potentially, if they had a Corey Canable type pitcher in the future, would be a seven eight multiple inning guy?
3: Um, it, it all kind of depends on what they have. I think right now, listen, is there anyone other than Josh Hader? In- if you have a list, you could pick a list of guys in baseball to be your ninth inning guy. How many guys would you pick ahead of Josh Hader right now?
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the, the God, list yeah. isn't very long, yeah. but I just, me personally, if they had a Corey Knable, like the two thousand and what eighteen version of Corey Knable, I would still love to see uh, Josh Hader being a multiple inning certain situation guy because I think he's most effective there.
3: I thought he was very good in that, but the thing is, they have. you look at what Brent Suter's done in that role, it's not the same output, but it's the same results. And the same thing with Peralta. They they see Freddie Peralta and Brent Suter being able to fill that similar role
5: yeah.
3: uh, just more frequently from different sides of the plate. So they have they have that Josh Hader. They have that guy that can give you the three innings, go through the lineup one time and mow him down. And the thing of it is, what makes it so so effective is every one of those guys, and I kind of wrote about this with the bull, with the starting rotation earlier in the week. There, there's so many differences in how guys throw, it, it, and that makes it even harder. Because if you go out there, you, say you're starting Woody or Burns, okay, guys who are just throwing straight up gas, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna throw Brent Suter out there, uh, and he's gonna give you. You know, two innings, maybe three of that really, really quick left-handed delivery, and we like that, Andrew. Not to to interrupt, we like
0: we like the fact that Brent Suter is out there getting innings done in like two minutes. That's that's perfect. Yeah,
3: but then you go from him and say that you go, you bring in Eric Yardley for an inning and he's giving you that funky submarine, you know, digging a hole style, and then you've got Devin Williams with the changeup, and then you got Josh Hader throwing filth, you know, so it's, you can't get settled in from that bat to at-bat because it's going to be different every time you step into the plate, and I think that it's one of those things where you have so many good guys, I mean, just really, really good pitchers to start with, yeah. but they're all so different where the sum is greater than the parts or whatever that cliche is. Yeah, um,
0: here one second. All right, so, Andrew, sorry, I had to tell Nelson to go get up the phone. Um, so, Andrew, before I let you go, my brother, can you tell him 840, Rowdy? Before I let you go, my brother, sorry, I'm multitasking, who is going to be, in your opinion, uh, difficult cuts, obviously, coming up, and I see Daniel Vogelbach is a little, you know, sweating it out because there's no DH, be at first base, see what happens. What? What is there going to be surprise cuts here, or is it going to be, like, Daniel Vogelbach, Is was he out of options, right? Like, what's going to happen, in your opinion, with some of these guys?
3: I don't know. I, I think they're going to try and get, I think they're going to give Vogelbach a, a chance to show he can play first base. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it'll work because the game doesn't have options. They also have Travis Shaw that can play first, but I, they don't want to get rid of him. I know that much. And that's going to be, I think the hardest decision on this entire roster.
0: All right, Andrew, before I let you go, opening day is almost here. And I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to play a little, uh, Simpsons talking softball underneath you because it's an incredible song. There you go, this one's for you, buddy. What an episode, by the way. What oh, yeah. are you going to be doing for opening day? Will you be in attendance at Miller I will Hall, be at working. American I'll Family be Field?
3: Will I'll you be, sneak I'll in a in hot I'll dog at least? Press box. Oh, yeah. I'll be, crushing the, I'll be crushing the hot dogs in the press box if we have them. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Andrew, and before uh, how long uh, can you join us again on Friday or something if it all works out? Because yeah, you're down there. absolutely. Yeah,
3: I'm down here I'm down here till uh, till Monday night. So yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to you Friday. And hey,
0: if you're out and about, you know, around Maryville, don't find any like bottomless pits like they do in this uh, Simpsons episode here. We we, <laughs> we want to talk to you on Friday. We want you falling was that Ozzy? Was that Ozzy that fell down the pit? Uh-huh. I think
3: it was. Yeah. I think it was. My buddy Jerry Beach knows it by heart. So I'll, I'll double check. With
0: it. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll let you go. Uh, the Simpsons taking us out. We always appreciate your time. We'll check your work out. Wisconsin State Journal, Forbes.com, by Andrew Wagner on Twitter. We'll get you on Friday as well because you, my friend, got it going on. Enjoy the sights, the sounds, and the smells minus the vomit. at Maryville, right, brother? Yep. Take care, buddy. <laughs> See you, buddy. There he is, Andrew Wagner. Good guy right there. Love that cat. <laughs> Okay, so we had Rob Reichel on last week, and Rob Reichel for Forbes.com wrote the uh, the blazing article, the head turner, the get the cheese heads riled up with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have made him a lame duck quarterback. That was uh, last week. People were people were upset online. People are always mad online. People are just mad everywhere, actually. Breathe. Drink some water. Be okay. Relax. But, Rowdy, I see this uh, from Rob Demosky yesterday source, Green Bay Packers have not restructured quarterback Aaron Rodgers' contract. So we've had literally everything imaginable outside of, oh, I don't know, uh, redoing, restructuring, or giving more stuff to Devontae Adams, the you know incredible wide receiver. The Packers have done everything in their power to get under the cap while not touching Aaron Rodgers' contract at all. And Rob had the article last week that they have made him a lame duck quarterback. Then we had the rumors that they were going to uh, restructure the deal, and that was uh, in the infancy stages of it. It was going to happen, but now we have yesterday Rob Domofsky saying Green Bay has not restructured Rogers' contract. So here. they did not alter Rogers' contract this past Friday, a source told ESPN, and they paid his eight point or they paid his six point eight million dollar roster bonus as is, rather than converting it into a signing bonus. Which, if they would have done that, they would have freed up more than four and a half million dollars in salary cap for this coming season. However, they would have uh, pushed that money to future caps, therefore increasing what Rodgers would count on as their 2022 and 2023 years. They've literally done nothing though with Rodgers' contract. Yeah, I'm still under the belief that they're not going to either. I don't think they are. Like, wouldn't they have done this already? You know, maybe it could be in the works, and maybe they're waiting to see what the free agency market looks like as more guys sign, and they're waiting, uh, waiting around. But if you were to redo Rodgers' deal, they would save, what What was it, 14 to $17 million? Dollars? Yeah, depending
1: on how they restructured. Now they already allowed, what was it, $6.8 million to, uh to hit the cap. Mm-hmm. That was something that if they had restructured by, was it end of work day on Saturday? Yeah. They could have saved potentially $6.8 million. And so they didn't do anything. Instead, they just let that time expire and... Aaron Rodgers cashed that six point eight million on for the uh, salary cap for the upcoming season.
0: Yeah, the only what else did they do? I think they they restructured. I think Mason Crosby deal is what I saw. Um, so the Packers. So they did restructure Mason Crosby. They did. They did. Let's see here. uh, The Packers gained one point three four million (laughs) dollars in cap space by turning one point six seven five mil. Of Mason Crosby's salary into a signing bonus and adding three. I just, I just, it's funny because remember we
1: were talking about all the candidates and we got down there. Go and maybe just because Mason Crosby's making four million (laughs) dollars as an older kicker, maybe they'll restructure that too. And no crap, they did. Yeah, they turned everything possible not to restructure Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, they also let's see here, uh, they added three voidable years on Mason Crosby's deal according to a source that allowed them to spread the bonus out over five years. Uh, Let's see. In another cap-saving move, the Packers reduced safety Adrian Amos' base by 3.91 mil, converting that money into a signing bonus. So between that two moves, Crosby and Adrian Amos, the Packers uh, roughly 8 mil under the salary cap, which is how they were able to sign cornerback Kevin King yesterday. And then once again, the Packers cleared cap room without, as Rowdy just said, touching Aaron Rodgers' deal. We're
1: starting to really get low on the uh list of things the Packers can do to free up money here.
0: It, it's it's literally what now? Uh Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams extension. And then Aaron Rodgers.
1: Aaron Rodgers.
0: Is there anything really and else? And they already Dean Lowry cut?
1: Yeah. A Dean Lowry was a guy that could potentially be cut and they already reworked Zadarius Smith, correct? Mm-hmm. Preston Smith is already reworked. They had to Mason do the Darius Crosby. to get Aaron Jones done. Mason Crosby was already reworked. You just signed the Aaron they, Jones
0: deal. They did Billy Turner. Billy Turner was reworked. They've literally done besides cut. Bakhtiari was the first yep. one reworked. Yep. Besides cut Dean Lowry, uh, and extend and and you work around with Devante. That's 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 it. <laughs> You're running out of options. You literally have three options left, and the biggest, the elephant in the room. Wearing the number 12 jersey, the gigantic elephant in the room, is Aaron Rodgers and the deal. The Packers have literally done everything in their power. You kick the can. I'm just pulling. I just pulled it
1: up. You literally kick the can down the street. Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. You just re-signed Aaron Jones. We forgot about Adrian Amos. He was restructured.
0: Yep. Billy Turner,
1: restructured. Mason Crosby, Restructured. Restructured. The only moves left are an extension for Devontae Adams, a restructure for Aaron Rodgers, and potentially a Dean Lowry cut. That's, that's, that's the only real money that's left out there. It's, it's, it's getting strange. There is and
0: we're in free agency. You can make any move you want right now. I mean, now. something could happen, sure, but right now it seems a little unsettling. I mean, Rodgers, don't forget, Rodgers has openly speculated about his future in Green Bay after the NFC Championship game. I know I know, emotions running high, right? And it's, well, I don't know what the future holds. You know, I'm going to take some time and think about what I'm going to do, you know, you know, moving forward with my life. And then so they've if, literally done everything except do Rodgers.
1: Yeah, if they cut Dean Lowry right now, it would save them about $3.3 million. But if they waited till June 1st, it would be closer to $6 million. Yeah. So he could be a June 1st cut. But yeah, other than that, how much money is Devontae Adams uh, being extended going to save?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's Rogers, 14 to $17 million you could save. And that's easily two to three players. So right here, multiple league sources. This and don't, is don't a- forget, they
1: still have to free up enough money to sign all their draft picks, which is probably exactly. at least $6 million that they'd have to free so up. So I'm
0: reading this Rod Domoski article here that uh, dropped yesterday. Uh, multiple league sources, he says. Said they believe Rodgers wants assurances that he will be Green Bay's quarterback beyond just the 2021 season, and that he won't be quote a lame duck quarterback. I mean, Rob Reichel, our guy, was somebody. Our reading, guy Robbie was somebody reading the press press clippings, uh, or sounds like it, or does or someone thinking their time in Green Bay is coming to an end. It's it's one or the other, or yeah, our guy Rob Reichel. Was that last week or, or two they, weeks ago? Yeah,
1: or does Aaron Rodgers see the writing on the wall? Roddy,
0: was that two weeks ago with Robbie or was that last week? Time two is...
1: weeks ago, I think.
0: Oh, my God. I think you're right. Two, Yeah, two weeks ago. I think. Our guy from Forbes.com, Rob Reichel. Love that guy. He's going to join us tomorrow, by the way. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah, Rob, my time is. Time does not matter anymore. Rob Reichel wrote this article two weeks ago that Rogers, the Packers made him a lame duck quarterback. And everyone's like, oh, Rob, you're just stirring the pot, man man man. Well, look at this. Multiple league sources say that believe Rodgers wants assurances that it will be Green Bay's quarterback beyond just the 2021 season and that he won't be, quote, a lame duck
1: quarterback. I mean, if I'm in the position of Aaron Rodgers, I'm coming off my third MVP season. I've now taken the Green Bay Packers to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games. I've asked the Green Bay Packers to draft me some skilled position players. Would they get you, though? I've asked the Green Bay Packers to, and this is now years prior, to build a better defense and they seem to be hesitant to do both of them
0: for me. What do you mean they brought back Kevin King, Rowdy?
1: And they refuse to draft any skilled position players. What do you mean? We
0: got Jordan Love. Early in the draft. We got Jordan
1: Love, he's skilled position. You draft my replacement or who you think would be my replacement and then I go out and have arguably my best season since 2016. And I'm only getting older. I'm under contract now for technically counting this upcoming year, three more seasons. I'll be 40 years old at the end of that third season. Yeah. I'm going to want some assurances too. I want to know that you're going to be spending money to help be, to help put me in the best spot possible to win a Super Bowl, or else if you don't want to do
0: that, then see you later. Then someone else will. I want to trade because I want another Super Bowl. Folks, if this doesn't get done, there's trouble in paradise. The Packers could convert a large portion of his of his 14.7 million dollar base salary into a signing bonus. That would give them the additional cap space this season to uh, you know, get things done. It would increase the amount of dead money he would account on next year's cap if they moved on. But they would if they do this. They're committing the Rodgers saying, hey, we want to help you win Aaron by bringing Rogers, in these people.
1: no doubt in my mind, will be the starting quarterback next season for the Green Bay Packers. This coming season? this Yeah, this upcoming season. Agreed. He will be the starting quarterback. The following year after that, if they don't sign this deal, I think it's 50-50. And I don't think if they don't sign this or rework this deal, I think by 20, what is it? What would it be? 2023? Yeah. Which would be his third and final year. He might, he might officially get the axe.
0: <laughs> Can you feel the tension?
1: So I'll go 100% this year, 50% in two years, and
0: 20% in three years. Now, hey, Rowdy, they could get something done though. This, this, hell, this could happen. I didn't think Kevin King was gonna come back. That was yesterday at 10 o'clock. Six million dollars one year. They could get something done with Rodgers. But the Rogers. biggest thing where you scratch
1: your head is, why are you taking so long to work on Rodgers when that should have been your number one? He's your MVP quarterback. He's your most important player. He's the one that frees up the most money. He's the one that you draft his replacement, wouldn't you though. Yeah, wouldn't you say he is the Packers right now? They haven't drafted Bakhtiari's replacement. They, no. haven't, they haven't drafted Sedarius Smith's not, replacement. Not Devontae Adams. They haven't drafted... Adrian Amos or any of the players that are still Younger's replacement, but they did draft Jordan Love in the first round, and they traded up to get him.
0: That's correct. You were spot on. And that was after Rogers says he wanted some help, some skill players to, uh, you know, come help the cause. And they drafted his replacement. Oh, and by the way, they just made Jordan Love the uh, second stringer, because they told uh, Tim Boyle to see you. So someone went from tracksuit rowdy to what? <laughs> To the practice squad. (laughs) Bye, Tim Boyle. Welcome, Jordan Love, to the second stringer. Take off that tracksuit, put on that uniform, baby. Your time can be coming sooner than we all think. Love this highway of information we ride on every day from 6 to 10. Love it, dude. All right, so, Rowdy, something you had uh, asked Andrew Wagner from the uh, Wisconsin State Journal when we had him on about Josh Hader. Craig Council was talking yesterday, Brewers manager. About Hader and his use. council says he's going to use him as a traditional ninth inning closer. And you had uh, said to Andrew, to Drew, what did you say to him? He's like, man, I liked Hader back when it was like that seven, eight inning. Yeah, Hader. I just
1: asked him what he preferred. If he preferred Josh Hader in that ninth inning strictly role or if he liked using Josh Hader as a versatile player. Yeah. and In an ideal situation, when you have a good bullpen, you have the likes of the Jeremy Jeffress to Josh Hader to Corey Knable, right? Mm-hmm. Because in a perfect world where you'd have those three type of relievers like they did in 2018, I love the fact that you can use Josh Hader in the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, or possibly the ninth, but you always had that insurance of an all-star closer in Corey Canable Because Corey Canable for who was that probably one, two, three years before his uh, injuries he was he was money. He was money. Is he, he was money. Is he he was, now he's is with he, LA. Yeah, the
0: Dodgers. Yeah,
1: he he was extremely good, and that allowed the Brewers to use Josh Hader in versatile situations. Where if you were in a tough spot, a tough spot in say the sixth inning, all of a sudden, and you had we'll say bases loaded and one out with a lefty coming up, you could easily bring in Josh Hader. He could get you that out. He it's could go work. out, throw another inning, and if you really needed him in another pinch, he'd give you two plus innings. I, I loved being able to bring him in 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 any tough situation, not just uh, necessarily a save situation. Yeah. Well, and when you have guys like the the bullpen that is currently. You have Devin Williams, who started out as a starting pitcher in the minor leagues. You had Josh Hader, who started out as a starting pitcher in the minor leagues. Those are all guys that can go multiple innings. Maybe not so much anymore with Hader, because they've kind of babied him since 2019, (laughs) where they don't pitch him back-to-back games, or they're not having him go two-plus innings anymore. But back in the day when he had that ability, I, I love that. Check this though. All right, uh, I love that too. I mean, Hater was like
0: that was when everyone's like, "Oh, he should be a starting pitcher." Now you can't you, you can't, can't, can't do, do it.
1: You can't do it if you don't have three solid guys where you're like, give any one of them the ball, you know they're going to get you three outs and they're not going to allow any runs. Yeah.
0: Here's Craig Council yesterday talking about Hater being primarily uh, primarily the. Traditional ninth inning closer. Here you go. I
6: think he'll largely do the same same role this year. That will that'll, that'll largely be what he's doing. So it's kind of the composition of everybody else around him. And you know, Josh has to pull his weight and you know and put, and throw his innings um and get the innings that uh to, to kind of share the load in the bullpen, but um you know, he's gonna do it at the back of games.
0: So Hader, um what is he turning twenty seven here coming up in April? Um he pitched just nineteen innings in twenty one games last season. Uh, The lefty worked 81 and one-third innings in 55 games in 2018 and 75 and two-third innings over 61 games in 2019, obviously with the shortened season last year in his role. 19 innings, Rowdy, in 21 games. And you have to take into account
1: in that 2019 season, he wasn't 100% thrusted into that ninth inning role the whole season. He kind of uh, formed into that.
0: As the season uh, went on, yeah, here's more from Council on Hader transforming as a pitcher. Been throwing more sliders. This
6: is a real credit to Josh and just his kind of seeing the big picture and long term, I think. Really understanding himself very well and understanding kind of matchups you know, in the game, giving himself options. And so that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's, what What is another option I could have? What's another place here when I might feel a little stuck in a game and something else I could do?
0: The slider from Hater Rowdy, I mean, he got that nasty on that uh, fastball. That thing's got some velocity.
1: Yeah, and honestly, for for Hater, it's not even the fact that his slider is out of this world. Like, holy crap, filthy! Like when you watch Devin Williams throw a changeup, right? Yeah, it's just the fact that it's a change of pace. Yeah, it's it's from the fact that he's throwing, you know, mid nineties to all of a sudden he drops that. Low 80s slider on him, and obviously, yeah, it runs, it, it cuts and runs, but it's not as as nasty as say like a K Rod slider from back when it was a Ooh, young K Rod. It's just the change, K-rod. the change in pace, and just the slightly different uh, arm angles that he uses that you know you don't normally see. But that's the same thing with uh, hater and and finding a changeup. He'd probably be just as successful with a a changeup if he had a good changeup.
0: Well, hayter has been doing very well at adjusting his pitches as hitters adjusted to him. And Craig Council speaks on that. It starts
6: from his days as a starter in the minor leagues when he did have these pitches. So he's not—they're not brand new. He's thrown them before, but it's—it's it's also just you—you you adjust as the league adjusts against you to to keep getting better.
0: And
1: we've known that since uh, Hater. Came on the scene. I mean, since 2017, I feel like everyone's been saying, well, he's working on a slider, well, he's working on a changeup. And for the most part, you've seen Hader has consistently been able to stay ahead of hitters.
0: Yeah. Uh, Josh Hader, you know, a Got to love the long hair, too. Uh, Devin Williams. You, you know, dude, Speaking
1: dude. of long hair, Corbin Burns.
0: Dude, I know Corbin Burns. said it
1: before, but it's not getting any shorter. Corbin Burns is the truth.
0: That dude, Rowdy, Corbin Burns yesterday, was
1: dealing. And I think he might have longer hair than Josh Hader right now. I love it, dude.
0: I love the pictures with the long hair. It's uh, something about it. I feel like it's, it gives him that extra, you know, like it's a little extra distraction to the to the batter. Those long, Unless your locks. name was uh, Derek Turnbow. Then um, I think it just got in your eyes. Turnblow. Yeah. My God. Did, it, did Eric Gagne have a little shaggier hair, too? Uh, or was that him just getting off the roids and started getting shelled? I don't know if I would say it was that. Was it not? Shady? Not anything close to what Hader, Corbin
1: Burns, or the the mop on Turnbow was. but yeah. maybe a little longer. It
0: was. It was a little longer. Yeah. To your, I'm looking at old pictures right now. I try to forget about Eric Gagme, I'm sorry, uh, Gagne. Is it's uh, it's like a little uh, it's just a little poof out the back. It's like when you're. It's like the stage one of a mullet, where it's just starting to pop out.
1: I think John Axford had some long hair well, at I mean, times back in the, the day. The I mean, Civil War just, mustache. He just didn't look. He just didn't look the same when he had like the buzz cut and no facial hair. Yeah, like it was definitely he needed to have the mustache and the long
0: locks. And let's see. I mean, Woody's got the Woody's got the short hair. Um, I'm trying to think. Why are we talking hair and facial hair right now? I like it though. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, you know, he's got that beard. Is he still rocking the big beard, or is he trimming down a little bit? You know, Woody's going to be your opening day starter. Yeah, you trimmed it down a little bit. Woody's going to be your opening day starter, and then Corbin Burns your second. Corbin Burns, dude, he was just he was just looking electric yesterday, and the Brewers' bats were just alive. It's nice to see Keston Hero two home runs, Christian Yellow's home run, uh, what was it? Omar Narvaez a home run, and they and the, it's not against like Schlepps, either that the Brewers are doing this. It was against Walker Bueller yesterday, you know, and before it was against what Clayton Kershaw. Before that was against Trevor Bauer. When the Brewers bats have been hot, hot, hot. Very excited about the season. Um It's creeping up. Eight days. Eight days. I do have comments from Josh Hader that I want to get to here. Uh, we'll do that, I think, after the break, just because we're kind of up against it right now. But Rowdy, eight days away for your Milwaukee Brewers. Twins coming into Amfam Field, and it is going to be just Rocking, despite what do they have? Twenty five percent capacity. Still gonna be rocking, dude. Josh Hader revamping. Well, I mean, that's how you stay a professional, right, Rowdy? You're always working on your game. You're always changing. You're always evolving, because if you just are dying on the vine, that's just it. You're you're done, right? You always got to be revamping. Re- yeah, doing something different. Adapt or die. Adapt
1: or die. Exactly. And especially when you look at Josh Hader, I mean, he came on the scene in 2017. It was phenomenal in 18, and then since. He was young then. You just talked about he's going to be 27 for this uh, season. Yeah. I mean, look at in, in 2018 when he really jumped on the scene. He was 24 years old. And when you look at the life of a pitcher, a lot of times their stuff peaks in their early 30s. Yeah. Or, you know, obviously that's not everyone. There's different cases for everything. But, yeah, normally it's early 30s. Your stuff peaks. So Josh Hader is still in the prime of his career right now.
0: And So you ready for this, Rowdy? You talked you talked a uh, last segment, you know, him having the fastball, obviously, then the slider, and then here we go: video and the con- video comments here from Josh Hader in a video about him prepping all off season his changeup ready for action, Rowdy. You ready for a Josh Hader, a little dirty change coming? In? Maybe hanging around with Devin Williams. Uh, I'm all right with uh, Josh Hader
1: coming with a, a new changeup, right? As long as he locates it, <laughs> preferably you think him hanging Low. out with uh, Devin Williams was in-
0: infectious? Like dude, that circle change, I think is like dirty, dude.
1: See, it's really weird because you can hang out with people, you can share secrets with people, you know whatever, mm-hmm. about different pitches, about grips and everything like that. But when it comes down to it, some things that work well for other people just don't just don't work with other players. Like obviously both Devin Williams and Josh Hader have great arms, right? Yes, obviously they both can throw in the mid nineties. They both have made it to major league baseball, except for it. It seems like obviously Devin Williams, he tweeted back and forth or was it Instagram back and forth with uh, Marcus Stroman. Yep. 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 He doesn't have the slider, never had a a real grip or a firm grasp on the slider, but yet he has that nasty circle change. That's kind of just like uh, Josh Hader. He's got the, weirder arm angle with the fastball and a solid slider but never has really had
0: that uh changeup. Well, here's comments from Josh Hader spent the offseason prepping his changeup for action. Love it. Here he is.
7: You know, this is uh that was probably one of my biggest pitches that I've been working on since I probably since I've been in the organization in 2015 as a starter. Um you know, that's a pitch that always had, but it's just never um, been consistent. And, and same with the slider. You know, and slider was more of a priority coming once I made it to the big leagues to, to get that uh, tuned up and consistent. And I feel like I was in a good spot last year um, with that slider. So I was able to, you know, put a little bit more focus on that changeup. And um, this year I was able to, um, you know, use it in the games and, and see how it plays out uh, with lefty and righty hitters. And I'm, and I'm excited about it, I, I think. Um, like I said before, um about the pitches, it's like they they can't just sit on one pitch now, um so that that adds a, a little bit extra play for that fastball and um you know it, it makes it tough for the hitters
1: and that's that's kind of what I was saying is all these guys guys have been around baseball since they were probably five, six years old, yeah. All of them know the how to throw curveballs. All of them know how to throw sliders. They all know how to throw changeups. They've just perfected, and when we say perfected, perfected it to the you know one percentile. Oh yeah, of of people across the world for these pitches. Well, and there's a reason and why they're professional, and that's why they're throwing these certain pitches. Like if uh, Josh Hader went out to your local. Uh, home talent game. He could throw a curveball and it'd probably still be pretty good. Yeah, but it's not one percentile like his uh, fastball and slider is at the major. Yeah, league you don't baseball think he's gonna level. throw
0: it in a major league game? Right? And that's
1: why you don't see Josh Hader throwing a lot of changeups because it wasn't at the level of major league baseball ready. Mm-hmm. And if he was to throw it consistently, it would get hit pretty far consistently. So yeah. that's why they work on it in spring. That's why they work
0: on it in the what off was, uh, season, and they don't necessarily use it during the year. Now, I just played up to Babe Ruth for baseball. What was? Oh, by the way, yeah. I
1: saw a crazy statistic about Babe Ruth the other day, and I'm going to tie it in since we're talking a little March Madness earlier today. Okay. When yeah. Sister oh, yeah. This Jean is crazy.
0: This is crazy. Hang on, Rowdy. Let me get a. Let me get some. All right. So Rowdy did find a crazy stat yesterday that blew my mind. All right, Rowdy. Uh, here you go. The stage is yours. So this goes
1: back all the way to 1919. The day that Sister Jean was born, August 21st, 1919. Babe Ruth tripled and drove in two runs batting cleanup. But here's the kicker for the Boston Red Sox.
0: (laughs) Mind blown. My mind just
1: blew. (laughs) The team he played for before, obviously, the (laughs) the New York York Yankees. Yankees. The time when he was still a pitcher slash outfielder.
0: And on that day for the Boston Red Sox, Babe Ruth did what? He tripled and drove in two runs. And on that same day, Sister, Sister Jean, Jean was, was born. And the angels sang from above. 1919 Sister Jean! And here she is cheering on Loyola of Chicago in the Sweet 16. I bet your Sister Jean's seen some things, dude. <laughs>
5: It's
1: just
0: Babe Ruth with the Red
1: Sox, and Babe Ruth was 26 years old. (laughs) Babe Ruth was a young man. Babe Ruth was the same age I was when Sister Jean was born.
0: Sister Jean, dude, the amount of things that that lady has probably seen is wild. Babe Ruth with the Red Sox. (laughs) Wow, that's a young babe. I mean, how often when you think of Babe Ruth, do you ever think of the Red Sox? You know, oh my god. Speaking of on this day in history, Rowdy, this this I was gonna ask you what 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 shocked you more the first time you saw it, a, a, a nasty curve or a legit fastball, and to me it was I saw a curveball for the first time like in Babe Ruth. I'm like, like a good one. I'm like, what the hell was that? Oh, oh, that's oh, that's a curveball. And then I think I crap myself when I saw it, my first legit fastball. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm cut out for this sport. How about you?
1: I'm gonna go with it was never about the speed for me, the speed of the ball. It was the first time you saw a curveball, and that hit us early because we were pretty solid at baseball back in the day. Yeah. And it was actually the Appleton Einstein All Star team. <laughs> Appleton Einstein. Back All-Stars. in way back in the middle school days, yeah, when all your of a knees. sudden, yeah, they had kids that were throwing in the upper sixties, which is pretty hard for little league, mm-hmm. and then dropping uh, some curveballs on you when the majority of uh, kids our age and in an our uh, program. We're not allowed to throw curveballs, so we're not
0: even <laughs> taught them.
1: I remember the first time I saw like a legit curveball, I'm like, whoa, what the,
0: what the first hell time, that?
1: First time you see one after a kid's throwing smoke, drops one in on you, buckles the knees, yeah. but then you just got to sit back.
0: Sit back, be easy, stay calm, be easy. <laughs>